Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. Titus chapter 3 this morning, if you have your Bible. So we're, we're getting very close to coming to an end of Titus, the book of Titus, and that means that Share Sunday is coming up. What is Share Sunday? If you're new here, every time we close a book of the Bible, we give an opportunity the following Sunday to share what God has done in your life through that book of the Bible. This one we may do a little differently. I think I'm going to um, teach the book of Philemon in one sermon, and then we'll, go, we'll do both of them together on August 31st. So, uh, Lord willing. So, if you would sign up for Share Sunday on the, at the Welcome Center, you know, just, just three to five minutes of what God's been doing in your life through His Word, uh, we would encourage you to do that. You can also video, video yourself, and you can uh, airdrop the video. If you don't know that, just give me your phone and we'll figure that out. We'll get it on that computer so we can share it. You don't necessarily have to come up here, but three to five minutes of what, what the Lord is doing. It's so important that we, we share, um, I think, with the body how God's Word is changing and transforming us. It is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's worth hearing the stories about what God's doing in your life. So we do that after we close the book of the Bible. This morning, Titus chapter 3, stand with me. We're going to read our text. Titus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we read, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courteous, or courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We ask you to lead us, to teach us, to speak to us this morning, Lord. We thank you that our hearts are open. We're ready to receive, Lord. Come by the power of your spirit. Speak into our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We will not get through this probably this morning, but we will get as far as we can. So, I don't know about you guys, but as I, as I get older, I become more forgetful. Have you ever been in your home and you... We're on a mission to go do something, and when you arrived halfway there, you're like, what was I doing? And you have to, ver you have to concentrate really, really hard to figure that out. It's crazy how that works. Reminds me of a story that I heard about an elderly couple who had noticed that they'd be becoming more and more forgetful. And so they, uh, they went to the doctor, and the, the doctor gave them some advice. He said, why don't you guys write things down 
so you don't forget them. And if you forget them, you have a reference. So they went home and they, they, they said, hey, we're going to commit ourselves to this. We're going to write these things down. And uh, later that day, the, the, the old woman was sitting in, in the living room with her husband watching TV. And she said, honey, would you get me a bowl of ice cream? But you might want to write that down. And he said, oh, no, I don't need to write that down. I understand that you want a bowl of ice cream. And she said, oh, can you also put whipped cream on, on the ice cream? Write it down. And he said, honey, I know what you're asking me to do, a bowl of ice cream, whipped cream on it. I have it. Oh, can you also add a cherry on top of that? And you definitely want to write this down. And he says, no, no, I have this. I know what you want. You want a bowl of ice cream with uh, whipped cream. I almost forgot that right there. And a cherry on top. <laughs> so he leaves the living room. He goes into the kitchen. And he's in there for like 30 minutes. And of course, she's watching TV. She's not really paying attention to time. 30 minutes later, he comes back into the living room. And he delivers uh, to her what is not ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top. It is eggs and bacon. And she, he puts it on her lap. She looks down at the plate. Then she looks at him, and she says, where's the toast? <laughs> it can happen. It does happen. It's true. Hey, listen, although science says that we can improve our cognitive health over time, the reality is we need reminders. And we have a, some great reminders in our text this morning. Um, Paul, beginning here in uh, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, he says, remind them. Remind them. In the Greek, it's hupomimnesko, and it means to cause, to recall, and to think about again. To remind, to cause, to remember, to cause, to think about again. To a large degree, this is the pastor's job to remind people of things that they already know. Most of the time when I deliver a message to you or somebody else delivers a message to you, it's generally something you already know, but you need to be reminded of. Paul is telling Titus to remind the believers to draw to remembrance the things that they already know. These people aren't being taught something new. They're being reminded and reinforced of something that they already know. There are four reminders to remember in our text this morning in verses 1 through 8. First, we find the reminder to remember the obligations we have to others. Uh, secondly, a reminder to remember your former condition. Thirdly, a reminder to remember your regeneration. And finally, a reminder to remember your mission. These are things that we can easily forget, and so we need to be reminded. And, and so when Paul is speaking to Titus, to the believers in Crete, he's also speaking to you and I. This is canonized in Scripture. We're not listening to a message that was meant for somebody else. It was meant for you. And so here we go. We're going to consider first our obligations to others. Does it sound like it's going to feed back here, or is it just me? Little, little hot. It's... So here we go. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. 
Every person that calls himself Christian must pay close attention to what Paul is saying here because it's a reminder to you and I about our obligation towards others. Two specific group people groups that Paul lumps in here. He's talking about governing authorities. He's talking about rulers and authorities. And he's talking about your fellow man. So he's, he's not just talking about people in the church. He's talking about people in the world. And what is our obligation to these people? How are we to react? How are we to deal with these sorts of people? We have an obligation. If you bear the name Christian, you bear the name Christ. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ, folks. You don't represent yourself. You represent Jesus Christ. You know, and so we need to remember that when we're in the world interacting with governing authorities and interacting with our fellow man. Paul begins with how we're to, our obligations to rulers and authorities. And it's pretty simple. He says this, be submissive. Be submissive. There's not much more to it, folks. Be submissive. This word here, it means to submit to the orders or directives of someone to obey, to submit to. We have an obligation to obey rulers and authorities. Now, this ruffles people's feathers a little bit. This makes the inner man stand up when you're told to sit down. This is a challenge for any fleshly person, which is you and I. And if you do not walk in the Spirit of God, you will not be able to do this. It's impossible to do this in the flesh. You must walk in the Spirit of God if you're going to fulfill the obligation that you have to the world as it relates to rulers and authorities. Now, one of the reasons why this is so so incredibly difficult for, for us in this room is because we're Americans. We have rights. We, we, you know, you can't just tell me what to do because I have a, a bill of rights that tells me something and, I, and I'm going to utilize that. And that's not wrong in some context, but it is wrong in others. In order to really understand what Paul is saying here, we have to understand the historical context of what's going on in Crete, who the rulers are, and what, how they're ruling during this time. I think that will bring a lot of clarity to you and I. You ready for this? So here we, we, many of you guys already know, we're talking about the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was the ruling empire of the time when Paul's writing this. Now, I don't know if you know much about the Roman Empire, but the, the Roman rulers were not excessively friendly to people. It was basically, you do what we say or capital punishment. We will kill you. you. You know, it was the Romans that perfected. They didn't invent crucifixion, but they perfected crucifixion because so many people tried to rebel against them. They just crucify you. They would make you a public example, a spectacle before others to say, you want to do that? This is what's going to happen to you. Excruciating pain. Not only that, but if you, if you were also disobedient, sometimes they would just throw some animals, bloody animal skins upon your, your, your body, and they would throw you in an arena, and then they would let out tigers who had been starved and abused for entertainment. 
That's a slap on the wrist in this culture. This is the culture that Paul is talking about, being submissive to ruling authorities. Now, you and I might, in our culture, might go, whoa, that's, that's a little excessive. Here's what you need to understand. It does not matter who the ruler is. It does not matter how evil they are. Your responsibility is to the word of God and what the Lord tells you to do. And here's why. Because all authority comes from God. When you rebel against governing rulers and authorities, you are rebelling directly against God. So keep that in mind. Here's what Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. He said, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. For those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Does that sound like God is saying there's some wiggle room in that? It doesn't sound like it to me. It sounds like to me if I go against the laws of the land, that I'm going against God himself. That's what it sounds like to me. Now, here's the thing. We live in a country that's a little bit different than what they lived in. We have a law that protects us. Do you know Roman citizens also had a law that protected them? That's why Paul, when he was imprisoned in Jerusalem, he let them know, oh, by the way, just casually, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen. Oh, that changed everything, folks. Because Paul had rights in the Roman Empire at that point. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. What is he saying? I want to be brought to the highest court because I'm a Roman citizen and I have rights. It is not wrong to stand up for your rights, but you must do it legally. You don't go outside of the law in order to do these things. In other words, if there's a law that's passed that says you must do this, then guess what? You better do that and then come circle around and follow through with it legally if you have a problem with it. That's what it means to submit to ruling at governing authorities. That's what it means to submit to these things. You don't just go, well, I don't like that law. But before it was this law, now it's this law, and I don't like this law, so I'm going to live. No, that's not the way it works. If one day it is acceptable to walk backwards on a sidewalk, and that's the law, then great, you can do that. But if they pass a law the next day that says it's illegal to walk backwards on the sidewalk, listen, your responsibility as a Christian is to obey that rule and then follow the legal system through to, to get that reverted. You are not to revolt against the law unless the law itself is a revolt against God. Unless the law itself is a revolt against God. That is the only exception, folks. And I will give you examples of that. You take Daniel, who was in Babylon when they made the decree that there, no one should pray to any other god except for, you know, the, the god there. Was it Nebuchadnezzar? I'm not sure who it was at that point. But you should not pray to another god. And Daniel said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's against God's word. You shall have no other gods before you. And so Daniel didn't do it. Now here's, and we, we taught through Daniel not too long ago. And here's what I want you to understand. Daniel did not rebel outwardly in order to keep the law of God in his heart. 
He just did what he normally did. He continued to pray. They knew he would. They set him up for this. And they'll set you up for it too. You obey the word of God. Daniel obeyed the word of God. And of course, um, he got tossed into the lion's den. It was King Darius, actually, now that it comes to mind. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Remember they erected, erected the, the um, statue of Nebuchadnezzar? They said everybody bow down to the statue. And, you know, there's, there's, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people. They're bowing down to the statue, and you got three dudes standing there going, oh, we can't do that. That's another God. We can't do that. They knew what would happen to them, folks. That's when you stand your ground against the world when it comes against God's word. And of course, they got thrown into the fiery furnace and Jesus Christ saved them, not only them, but also probably Nebuchadnezzar at, the, at that time. And so you have these different examples. What about Peter and John when they were, Acts chapter 4, and they were arrested for teaching basically the gospel. And they were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were told, do not speak in the name of Jesus Christ again. And so Paul and John said, I'm sorry, we, we have to do that. And I love the response here. Shall we obey God or man? We, uh, pretty simple answer. And they knew that. So you stand for the word, you stand in the word of God, but you do not rebel against the world because of your feelings towards what's happening. And that's, dude, I could bring up multiple examples right now and divide this room. Divide this room. We're here talking about God. We're talking about authorities. We're talking about obeying rulers. We're talking about being submissive. And I could divide this room in an instant by bringing up two subjects right now. And here, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I will not do that. I am not stupid, folks. <laughs> I want to keep you engaged to hear what the word of God says. Because you don't answer to me. And you don't answer to each other, ultimately. You answer to him. And here's what I would tell you. Before you decide how you're going to respond to something, you better check your heart and you better, cons you better let the word of God be a mirror in your, in your heart. Because if you rebel, don't forget who you might be rebelling against, against God himself. I don't know if you guys saw what happened in Franklin earlier this week at the Williamson County School Board meeting. It was ridiculous. And I hate to say that I'm not a mask person, but the people that were anti-mask people were threatening people's lives. Are you kidding me? I hope these, these people were not Christians. This is the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. Listen, you better check your heart before you get into a conversation with somebody. Obey Submit to governing authorities and rulers. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes, folks. We, we answer to God. And you know what? Last time I checked, I was crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Jesus himself did not rebel against the Roman authorities in this day. And in fact, the religious leaders tried to set him up and they said, you know, we hate these taxes these Romans are making us pay. Maybe we shouldn't pay taxes. What do you think, Jesus? He knew what they were doing. And what did he say? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. 
you as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, your, the road for you is a higher road. It's a higher calling. You have a responsibility to not just represent yourself, but far greater than that, to represent Jesus Christ. And we are living in toxic times, folks. There's no more, there's no greater moment in the history of the world in our country, I think, than, than where we're living in right now as it relates to authority and rule. How are we going to respond to this? How are we going to, as believers in Jesus Christ, how are we going to respond to the things that are going on in the world? That is something you need to ponder, and you need to check your heart, and you need to ask the Lord, God, how am I to do these things? I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to struggle with it myself. But here's the thing is we have a mirror. We have the rule book. And this is what we go by. Unless something is asked of you that is against the word of God, then you are called to submit to governing authorities. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And when uh, they came to arrest him, Peter pulled out his sword and he lops off Malcolm's ear in rebellion to what was about to happen. And Jesus said this to him in Matthew chapter 26, verses 54 through, 52 through 54. Put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father? And he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels. Peter, I don't need your help. Put it away, man. But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Here's a lot of times what we miss in the middle of, of, of something that's happening like what's happening in our country today. We miss what God is doing. We miss, we miss what God is trying to position and purpose in our lives because we're too concerned about ourselves. Here's the thing is Jesus was not concerned about doing his will. He's concerned about doing the Father's will in this moment. And he told Peter, Peter, if you rebel against this and you create this whole thing, it's going to mess up what I'm doing. Don't do it. And here's what I would say. You may do the same thing. Don't be Peter in the Garden of Gethsemane. Be Jesus. Surrender to the will of God. And let the Lord work out what he wants to do in your life. He wants to do something. He doesn't allow us to go through difficulties just because. He's doing something. He's working all things out. That's, that means the good times, the bad times, and everything in between. All things out for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Do not despise what God is doing in your life right now. It's great. It's incredible. Maybe it's, it's super hard. Maybe you're suffering, but God is at work. Trust him. Trust him. So Paul tells us, he reminds us that our obligations to rulers and authorities. But then he goes on and he reminds us how we're to interact in this world. Now, this is even crazier in my mind. He says, don't speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Christians are not to go around speaking evil about other people. doesn't matter how evil they are. We're not to be quarrelsome with our culture. We're to be gentle in our answers and courteous in our interactions with all people, not just some people, not just Christian people, but with all people. Even those who are 
hostile towards us. I love what John MacArthur said about this. He said, no matter how hostile the society around us may be, we are to be good to the people in it whose lives intersect with ours. Think about that for a second. It's exactly what Paul is saying. We're, we're, we're not to just voice our opinion and say what we want to say because we feel a certain way. We've got to remember it's, it's more about Jesus than it is about us. I want Jesus to shine through. How can I get Jesus to shine through in a hostile culture like we live in? Don't be hostile back. Be courteous to people. Don't speak evil of people, even if they're evil. When somebody slaps you in the face, Jesus says, give them your other cheek. That's what he means. He means don't get sucked into this. Again, totally impossible in the flesh. Totally impossible but possible in the spirit. That's why Paul spent so much time saying, put off the flesh, put on the spirit. Put off the flesh, put on the spirit. That sounds like an active choice to me. When he's telling me to take off something and put on something, that's something I'm involved in. Something you're involved in. Put off the flesh, put on the spirit, he says. We have obligations relating to others in our culture, folks. And I know that's tough. I know we're going through some things. I know we're, we're, we're you know, our world is becoming more and more hostile towards us. Are we going to become more and more hostile towards them? Or are we going to use this opportunity in this moment, even if, it, even if it means giving up your life? Oh, that sounds radical. People, people have done it for the gospel over and over and over again. And that's why we have this book in our lap, folks. Because people were willing to, to walk the same road Jesus Christ walked, to not, to not um, uh, succumb to the pressures of the culture, but to stand true to God's word, even when, when being, uh, people were being hostile towards them. I, I think a polycarp comes to my mind. You know, don't, don't speak about Jesus. Don't speak about Jesus. The guy's tied to a stake. They pour tar on him. They're going to burn him alive. And, and, and it, they're telling him, renounce Jesus. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. And he ends up dying for his faith. Is that sad or is that glorious? It's glorious in the sense of this, that we didn't succumb to the culture, to man, but you stood your ground Endure to the end. Endure to the end, and you shall be saved. Endure to the end. We don't give our, that girl in, at Columbine. Renounce Christ or die. Nope. Boom. Dead. No. Alive. Alive. Death is not the end for us, folks. It is not the worst thing that could happen to you. The worst thing that could happen to you is not having a relationship with Jesus and dying. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Paul is reminding us of our, our, our obligations to this culture around us. Secondly, he moves into this idea of remembering our former condition for the purpose, I think, of witness here. He says, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days with malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. Listen, one of the greatest weapons the enemy will use in your life is your past. He will bring your past up. He will throw it in your face. 
and he will whisper words like, who are you to speak to that person about their sin? Look at your life. Look at what you've done. He will draw all the attention back to you and to your former condition, and he will remind you over and over again about how unworthy you are. Here's the reality of what he does. He's a deceiver, but understand, some of what he says is true. Some of what he's saying is true. We aren't good people. We don't deserve to speak on behalf of the Lord. We have done bad things. That is the truth. But here's what he never does. He never reminds you of the redemption that we have through Jesus Christ. He never reminds you of the eraser that came in your life and erased everything that you've ever done. All accounts have been settled. You owe God nothing. In fact, you have a credit in your account in heaven. He never reminds you of that. But he always reminds you of your former condition and and to try and weigh you down, to try and pull you down. And if you're here this morning and you're stuck in your past... You're a believer. You can't get over the things that you've done in your life, the shame, the guilt, all of those things. Here, here's what I, wa- I want you to memorize. Three words this morning. Three simple words. You might want to write this down. Are you ready? It is finished. It is finished. Jesus Christ paid the price on the cross Our sins, our our, our former sins, our past, present, future sins, totally gone. Completely gone. Jesus Christ paid the price. You are justified. That is a judicial act, folks. It's like you stood in a court, the gavel came down and said not guilty. That's what it means. Justified. Just as if you'd never sinned. And so you positionally are perfect in God's eyes if you're a believer right now. Do you know that? Do you know that? We're not waiting for the robe of righteousness. We have it already. We already have it. Present, this is presently with you, clothing you. When God sees you, he sees his son. But here's the reality is we all have a past. We all have a past. The enemy tries to use it to pull us down. But here's the thing is Paul says, use it so that you can stay relatable to people. Here's what can happen to Christians is that they can come to a place in their life where they, they, they can't relate to sinners because God has done such miraculous work in their life, they cannot relate to somebody who's stuck where they once were. And so what, what ends up happening is that's what we call a religious person. That's what a Pharisee was. That was what a religious ruler was. Jesus said, listen, we have to be relatable to people. In the culture, Jesus, although he never sinned, do you know that he was relatable to the sinner? That's because he put himself in your position, every position you'll ever be in. He was tempted in all ways, and he stumbled in none. But he put himself in your position so he could relate with you. And you and I, as we move forward in, in our walks with the Lord, we're, 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 not to, to, we're not to act like nothing's ever happened in our life, like we weren't sinners, like we were, well, I was just born a saint. Nobody's born a saint. That's why Jesus told um, Nicodemus that you have to be born again. Nobody is born into the, to the, um, into the Christian culture. No one is, you're born again into it. Don't forget who you once were. That's past tense. Don't forget, you know, that you were foolish, disobedient, you were led astray. You were. We all were. 
Don't forget that you were slaves to various passions and pleasures. Don't forget about your desire to harm others at times. Don't forget about how you were hated and how you hated other people. Don't forget about this. You know why? Because if you do, it's impossible for you to be compassionate towards people that are in that situation. And there's a whole bunch of them, folks. There's a whole world of people that are stuck in this place. And, you know, in a lot of circles that, that I've been around and, and heard conversations about, it's surprising people. Don't sinners sin? Last time I checked, unregenerated, unredeemed people can only do one thing, folks. And that is sin greatly. Sin greatly, just like you did when you were an unbeliever. You sinned greatly. That doesn't mean that there's, there's not moral unbelievers in the world. There are. But they're not good. Nobody's good. You have a past. And, and God is, Paul is saying, remember your former condition. Don't forget that because it's important it, for you to be able to relate to the world around you. Man, everybody has a redemption story. Do you know that? Everybody that's, that's called a Christian has a redemption story. You were dead and you became alive. At one point in your life, something happened and God changed your life forever. Some of them, it's way more dramatic than other people. Some people were raised in the church and they, this is all they know and they, they came to Christ early on and that's their, that's their redemptive story. But something changed. There was a change. Some people, they were totally off, completely off the rails, destined for physical death even. And God reached in and grabbed them and brought them back. Here's the important thing to remember about your former condition also, is because what it does is it drives us to a place of understanding. God can redeem anyone. He can redeem anyone. The, the disciples, the apostles, when when they heard about the apostle Paul, when they heard about Saul, the Pharisee, one of the rulers of the Sanhedrin getting saved, they were like, yeah, I don't know about that. Not sure about that. Can God really save a man like that who's persecuting the church? You bet, and he does. And he does. Do you know right now that people that are persecuting, you know, Muslims that are persecuting Christians in other countries are coming to Christ after they've killed somebody for representing Christ because of such the impact of what they've seen in their life how and, and having dreams and all different kinds of things. God can save the most vilest person. If he can save you, he can save anyone. Know that. That's the reality. You remember who you once were because it helps you realize that God can, God's arm is not too short, that it can't reach down and save that person in your life right now that you think like, man, that's almost an impossibility. He can do it. And he's trying to. God wills that no man would perish, but all come to repentance. That is his desire for mankind, folks. He does not want people to go to hell. He doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there. The gospel's been presented. There will be nobody in the world that will stand before God and go, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know about that. Romans chapter 1 says all we have to do is look around at the world and we can see that there's a creator and that we need to connect with that creator. And it says we are all without excuse. There's zero excuses in heaven. You know, we're great at giving each other excuses. That doesn't fly in heaven. He's like, no, sorry. 
your dog did not eat your homework. We need to be dispensers of grace, folks. It was the grace of God that brought you to where you are. And it's the grace of God that will reach people who are where they are. And you're a representation of grace. Be a representation of grace. Walk around this world like, I'm so lucky that God saved me. Not like, God's so lucky that he saved me. Those are two different things, right? But I'm so lucky that God reached me the way that he did because I would have never come to him if he wouldn't have dispensed grace on my life. The grace of God, getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve. The world needs grace. Getting what it doesn't deserve, folks. There's people in your lives that they deserve a swift right hook, but the grace of God. Give them the grace of God. When you're treated, mistreated, don't mistreat people back. Remember the grace of God. Give them the grace of God. That's what changes people's lives. When the church walks like Jesus, the culture changes, folks. When the church walks like Jesus, the culture will change. And so what, what our responsibility is, is to walk like Jesus in every situation. We are to be dispensers of grace, not dissatisfied with sinners that can only do one thing, sin. We don't excuse sin ever, but we do remain compassionate towards those who are unredeemed. Now, for, the, for believers, it's a little different. For believers, our response is a little different. Sometimes it's rebuke. Sometimes it's correction, but not unbelievers, folks. Grace of God. It's always the grace of God. But, but we have a responsibility to each other and accountability to each other. And when, we're, when we step out of line, sometimes we need a swift rebuke or a correction, an exhortation. And we're called to that. But that's a, that's a story for a different day. But as it relates to those around us, man, it's the grace of God. Don't forget who you once were and who, who God has made you to be. We'll get into the rest of this next week. But here's the thing is Paul is giving us reminders about who we are called to be in this world. And as the world continues to rage on and it continues to do what it's going to do, you have one focal point. And it's not on the horizontal, folks. It's in the vertical. You keep your eyes on Jesus. I know it seems a little bit, you know, scary and shaky and it seems like this world's falling apart. Guess what? It's supposed to. It's supposed to. This, this is not our home. We're sojourners. We're transitioning through this world, folks. We have a different place. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. And this world's going to fall apart. And one day, this world's going to be totally destroyed. Not just the world, but the heavens and the earth. Cast in the lake of fire, God will create um, a new heavens and earth. Until that day, God is positioning the world and he's allowing things to occur. And he's do, he, but he's at work. That's the one thing you need to be reminded of. He's at work. It's his plan. The enemy is not winning. It might look like it, but he is not. Because Jesus won on the cross. Amen? 
Father, we thank you, Lord, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much, God, for reminding us this morning of our obligations towards others, to keeping us, Lord, to a place where we can, Father, be relatable to others as we consider our past. Thank you for the work that you've done in our hearts this morning, Lord. We pray that um, as we close in this last song that you draw us close to you. Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't have a right relationship with you, that you draw them to, your, to a place of true repentance, God. It's by your kindness, your word says. Your kindness leads us to repentance. It's, it, it's the fact that you so desire for us to be forgiven. May your kindness lead those who need it this morning to repentance, God, to unto salvation. Paul would go on in our passage to say the washing of regeneration. Thank you, Lord. Just pray for those who are, who are in this place today that are struggling with the, the word submit. We ask you, Lord, to help our flesh to die for your spirit to reign. And so we thank you, Father, for your word and for what it's doing in our hearts now. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. You Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.